0: Hello and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Molloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. This is a podcast to explore how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they are making as leaders. This podcast is a recording of our Future of Branding series. From the decisions facing CMOs, To the commitments they are forging, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections. This is how CMOs commit. Hello and welcome to the Siegel & Gale Future of Branding Roundtable. Every episode, we meet a panel of marketing leaders live to explore how they are building their brands. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel Gale. Siegel Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design and experience firm. We are particularly delighted to welcome you to our inaugural Hispanic Heritage Month edition. For me, it is an honor and a pleasure to host this conversation. Bienvenidos a todos. Para mí es un placer y un honor facilitar esta conversación. Today, through the personal journeys of our six speakers, we will honor the vibrant and varied history and culture of Hispanic, Latino, and Latinx communities, as well as their contributions to American society. Now, because our panelists are also brand leaders, we will also explore how brands are observing the month. As we begin, it may be helpful to note that this market is not a monolith. It is vast, growing, and diverse. In 2020, the US Hispanic population reached over 60 million people. To put that in context, Hispanics comprise nearly one in five people in the US, up from one in 20 in 1970. Further, according to Pew, in 2019, more than 70% of Latinos ages five and older spoke English proficiently, up from less than 70% in 2000, less than 60% actually. Driving this growth are US born Latinos. By any measure, this is an important and continually evolving consumer and talent market. Now with that as a backdrop, after the intros, I'll have one-on-one conversations with each panel, return to all for our commitments round, and conclude with my reflections. To our audience, you're very welcome. Please do let us know in the chat where you are joining from and feel free to respond to the opening question. Kindly select everyone so we can all see your responses in the chat. Bueno, empecemos. Let's please welcome Cynthia Kleinbaum, Vice President of Marketing, Online Grocery, Membership and Mobile Apps at Walmart. And Cynthia, before I greet you and the fellow panelists, here's our one question. So speakers, As I introduce you, please answer this question in one word. When you hear Hispanic heritage, what word comes to mind?
1: Hola, Cynthia. Hola, hi, Margaret. The the word that comes to mind is fusion. ¿Cuál? Fusion. 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 Fusion.
0: Marvellous. Okay. Next, let's greet Rich Orozco, EVP. Brand and community Los Angeles football club. Hello, LA.
2: Hi. My word is joy.
0: Joy. Mi alegra. Okay, let's go to Miami to greet Liliana Torres, global head of marketing activation for the electrification business
3: at ABB, the technology company. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you for having me. For me, the word that comes to mind is passion. Passion.
0: Genial. Brilliant. Thanks, Lillian. Next, let's go to Park City, Utah, where we are greeting Eduardo Conrado, the EVP and Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer at Accention, the healthcare company.
4: Hey, good morning, Margaret. Good to see you. My one word is uh, onion.
0: Onion, hmm, muy interesante. Okay, now to Boston we go to say hello to Gabriela McManus-Serret Campos, the SVP of People Operations at Drizzly. Una palabra, Gabriela.
5: Gracias, Margaret. Uh, My one word is familia, family.
0: Familia, family, wonderful. And finally, Tanya Missant, is the SVP of Global Research, Insights and Analytics at Warner Media joining us from LA? Hi, Tanya. Hi, buenos dias. Muy buenos. My one word
6: is uh, belleza or beauty.
0: Belleza. Me encanta. Qué lindo. Okay, so now let's have the individual conversations. Cynthia, you're first up. You said fusion. Tell us why and perhaps what aspect of your heritage you bring with
1: you to work every day. I mean, I I feel like I chose the least original word after we were talking before this started and Gabriela was telling us her story. I thought maybe I'm not this unique because I think I'm a fusion of cultures and Latin America is a fusion of cultures from Europe, from Africa and indigenous me myself i'm a second generation mexican my family came from europe i grew up in a jewish community in mexico but i feel just as mexican as i feel jewish and Gabriela was saying something similar now we come to the us and it's a fusion of all our cultures so it's really an interesting mix what do i bring to work well from a from a leadership perspective not an output perspective i think that mexicans some of our values are about inclusivity and family and i think that's how my team sees me as somebody that treats them as family that allows them to bring their whole selves it's a very warm environment that i try to create and i don't do it on purpose but when i look to other teams i see that maybe i do it a little bit more than others from an output perspective what do i bring as a hispanic it's, I actually belong to a board that Walmart created. It's called the, the Diversity and Inclusion Marketing Board. And every marketing asset that goes out from the smallest piece of copy to a big TV campaign gets reviewed by this board to make sure that there's everybody feels included. The fact that Walmart has a really diverse, diverse workforce allows us to do this because you don't have to be in marketing to be in the board. You just have to come and use the lens of the customer to make sure that you feel represented. So that's from an output perspective.
0: So Cynthia, Walmart, the largest retailer in the world, and I believe the nation's largest private employer of Hispanics. Tell us, how is Walmart honoring Hispanic Heritage Month?
1: I mean, we actually have a campaign that we call Together Somos Mas, which is the enti- it runs the entire year and it Re- Hispanics can feel represented in this campaign. We have, we work with tastemakers, we work with media outlets that target Hispanics. But during, specifically during Hispanic Heritage Month, we're going to be showcasing Hispanic authors because we think that the storytelling has to really come from somebody from the community. And because we are part of the community and have stores, Where people can go we are also going to be activating our stores there's three stores actually one in miami so um liliana if you can go check it out there's there's going to be some murals that are going to be painted by by hispanic artists and really always our strategy is to amplify our ongoing campaigns to make sure that there's an element that feels very uh, hispanic and that, that we can identify with
0: it's interesting cynthia Walmart seems to be very focused on the community. That's totally. that's a key to your brand. From your perspective, are there misconceptions about Hispanics and mistakes folks make in terms of marketing to this population?
1: I mean, I think we're past the time when we thought we had to market in Spanish. You mentioned that most Hispanics speak English. I currently I think the biggest misconception is that Hispanics only influence Hispanics. Mm. I mean, you can see, first of all, I don't think anybody doubts that J. Lo is influencing everyone, but that's just one person. But how many of us are actually married to Americans or have a, like a society? We live in a society where most of our friends are not Hispanics and we influence them. So just I think everybody doing market, anybody doing marketing to Hispanics has to think that it's not just you're not just putting money that is going to influence the Hispanic market, but it's actually going to influence other people because Hispanics are having an impact in the larger American society.
0: What about your product picks in the stores? Does that vary based on the community and does it change for Hispanic Heritage Month? Any observations
1: there? Well, it actually changes store by store depending on the community. So if there's a community that has a lot of people from Puerto Rico, there's going to be product that they're going to buy. And if there's more Mexicans, there's going to be more product for Mexicans. It's pretty unique, every store, which is kind of a bummer for me because I get my groceries delivered and there's no Mexicans in the store that I order from. So I can get anything Cuban, but nothing Mexican.
0: And Cynthia, you in particular lead online activities, including the mobile. Any interesting insights there in terms of behaviours?
1: Well, I think I think uh, we do when we do marketing. What I've seen, and it's not just for mobile, but it's in campaigns that I have run. When we have translated literally the campaign, it doesn't always work. Sometimes you actually have to take an insight that is very very ownable, and then really create a, an execution. I can give you like a quick example. For for Walmart Plus, we were creating a campaign that talked about how it's super easy to order online groceries, right? Like if your kid is a picky eater, just order more and we'll send you the food right away. You don't have to worry about it. Turns out that Latino moms, Hispanic moms, don't let their kids be picky. They have to eat whatever is put on the table. So we ended up not creating that execution because it really didn't speak to our Hispanic customer. but. In the executions that we ended up doing for Hispanics. We showed larger families because every weekend you have a family meal where not only your family shows up, but the friends of the family show up. That's not something that happens in other cultures. I'm sure it happens in in Indian cultures, in several cultures, but not the core American culture that we sometimes see in advertising. So we try to take what feels very, very authentic and bring still the brand strategy, but tell the story in a way that feels unique.
0: Now, Cynthia, I know you're a mom and you live in New York and you've shared your cultural heritage, which apparently is kids take what's put on the table. What's your parenting philosophy?
1: No, I mean, my kid, if whatever he wants, I order it online and it arrives right away. I mean, I have to write, that's what I sell, so I have to order online.
0: You've you become
1: a New Yorker, Cynthia. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bueno, genial. Thank you so much. Next, let's have a conversation with Rich, LA football club, LAFC. So tell us, Rich, you said your word was joy. Why joy?
2: I think, first of all, I love onion Eduardo. I like that one too. I can't wait to hear that. And and similar, the passion was another word. But joy, so much, you, know, you think of all the Hispanic culture, so much joy in, in the colors, in the traditions, In um, the cultures, any of us visiting a a new Hispanic country for the 1st time, like you just have that, you know, explosion of just like, there's so much depth and richness to to the community. So, at LAFC, you know, we are thankfully our product football, uh, Hispanics love and 1 of our key brand identity pillars is to bring, uh, bring joy to people. So that naturally in a product that Hispanics love. To have that as a mantra is how are we bringing joy to not only the Hispanic community. I love what Cynthia said. You know, in L.A., half the city are Hispanics, and if you create a product and you're really careful with a product that Hispanics love, and you infuse that joy in it, they're going to bring the entire city, and that's what happened with C When we launched the club, I always said that the Hispanic tsunami was coming to football if we did it right, and there was a we had a 3 month argument inside about talk about calling the club soccer, a soccer club or a football club. And those of us know, you know, language is very important. And by just calling it a, a football club football, not only were we reaching the Hispanics, but we I'm talking to you, Margaret. You're Irish. If I'm correct. Right, Irish of L. A. English, Germans, Hispanics, you know, everybody knew out of the gate that we were not Americanizing the product. That it was the world's game. So. Joy for me is a love of the culture. Uh, I'm third generation Mexican American uh, here in the states, and you know, tying back to the joyous parts of all of our our culture, how do we infuse it in our day to day, in our product at Los Angeles Football Club? And uh, that's why that word kind of jumped out to me.
0: Rich, I see you're wearing some merch. Do you have a game yes. today?
2: Oh, we do. It's game day, so I uh, thank you for allowing me to be my game attire today.
0: I love it, I love it. I thought you wore it just for us, but we'll take the compliment anyway. <laughs> so Rich, how is LAFC commemorating the month of Hispanic Heritage Month? Anything distinct from what you were doing year round?
2: Sure, if you look at our starting 11, we actually have a beautiful mix, Uruguayans, Ecuadorians, Colombians, Mexicans, all on the same team. So every time we get a new player, We definitely make it a point with our content team to highlight and celebrate their background, their country, their roots, their story. You might see in our social media posts when we when we announce our starting lineup, we might put the flags of every country, not just Hispanic countries, but every country represented on the starting eleven. So again, in a global city like LA, we really want to highlight everybody's culture to create that connection Uh, for the match for our Hispanic Heritage Month match. Uh, we're going to have a Spanish PA more than usual. So we'll have more Spanish than English in just basic PA reads. We'll have some graphics that are going to be in Spanish that might not have been in Spanish, a gold graphic, et cetera. So just uh, an homage to our community and um, and kind of baking into our regular programming for the match. Uh, we have a few rituals in the match. We have some uh, guest uh, Hispanic influencer celebrities, just people of the community. So we're just kind of baking that theme into all of our programming for match day.
0: I also saw on Twitter, you're sharing some recipes from some of the players. That's a lot of fun.
2: Sure. It's just, again, how do we celebrate and highlight their culture? We have a, a bunch of amazing brand partners and sponsors for our club that, that really resonate with our identity. And that specific content piece you were talking about is how do we match both brands together and what better way than talking about a player's culture and also um, baking the product into the content.
0: And that's a part of your partnership model.
2: Sure. Yeah. How do we align?
0: Is there something you would observe that might be characterized as a mistake brands make when targeting Hispanic Americans?
2: Uh, Cynthia actually said a lot of that. I love, again, I'll double down. You know, if you reach Hispanics in every city, they're going to bring more people to your world than just Hispanic friends. We all have friends that are not Hispanic. So I I love that. I love how she, she coined that really early. We did a lot of research about Spanish language, marketing messaging advertising and actually what came back to us you know for us you know hispanics get our product i don't need to explain football in spanish to an argentinian in la so that actually did not become a priority was to launch a club with all spanish marketing in a heavy hispanic city so i would say that we're spanish friendly but we never had an initiative or a full content team dedicated to full spanish messaging however we will do bilingual uh, videos. We'll have uh, translations. So it just depends if a player naturally, if a player speaks Spanish, we're not gonna to, going wanna to make him speak English in a content piece. So we just want them to be how they are. And, and obviously we'll uh, we'll translate it to our non-Spanish speaking audience.
0: Wonderful, well suerte. Best of luck with the match tonight. Thank you. We'll be all curious to see how it goes. Okay, shall we go to Miami? Hello again, Liliana. And
6: Mara. Is-
3: Liliana, your word was passion. Tell us why. Well, I said passion because for me, that word represents the Hispanic culture, the values, the beliefs, the commitment and determination that Hispanics have. You know, Hispanics for me is a culture that by default goes above and beyond. We came from many different countries, different cultures, but I think one thing we have in common is this incredible will to make things happen and never give up. So in my work as a leader and as a marketeer, I think passion has been the engine for my drive and the pillar in in leading my teams. I think if you help them find their passion, if you help them find their why, they become unstoppable. Uh, passion and empathy I think are very important where when you are marketing to the Hispanic community that help you really build the bridges with them. Also passion allows you you know to be very resourceful in difficult times. It helps you uh, create and again it's very important and Cynthia mentioned when marketing to the Hispanic community and when uh, handling your teams across the different regions in the world.
0: Liliana, you were born in Colombia, no?
3: That's right, yes. Tell us your journey. Well, it's been a, a great journey. I will say I never expected to move to U.S. really. It was more like a a unique opportunity that happened. And, of course, when you see these opportunities, you need to take them. So this was the, the situation. I was relocated from my company. At that time, it was Springs uh, a valuable transportation company. So I ended up uh, in Miami working for Latin America and since then growing in my career here in Corporate America. So it has been a great journey. Now, ABB, primarily a B2B company. As I understand
0: it, the division where you lead marketing activation, the electrification business, it's a large business. $12 billion in revenue or, or thereabouts. So a different model to the guests so far in terms of the B2B focus. How, therefore, do you honor Hispanic Heritage Month at the organization?
3: Yeah, so there is two aspects of this, right? Is how ABB electrification empowers the local teams in the regions to do business. And the other aspect is how, as a company in U.S., we celebrate Hispanic heritage in U.S. So I'm going to give you the two perspectives, because in our case, it's very different. We don't go to consumer directly. We conduct business primarily, as you said, uh, Margaret, B2B. We offer a wide range portfolio of products, digital solutions, services, from the substation to the socket, enabling safe, smart, and sustainable electrification. So everybody needs electricity, right? So our range of products is huge. But as a pillar of our APB way, we foster a purpose-driven culture and empower our local markets to engage, promote, and support our customers in each region. So in our decentralized model, the empowerment accountability are sitting with them in the region. So providing the freedom to the local organizations to adapt the initiatives to the various needs in in the different markets, right? And of course, Latin America is part of our regions. So we really empower our local teams to go to market there and do the modifications that they require. In terms of our employees, we have been celebrating Hispanic heritage through various activities that are organized by our ENCOMPASS group. ENCOMPASS is our diversity and inclusion team. So, this team basically work in a champion different diversity initiatives. So, for example, they have subchapters for the Black Americans, Asian Americans, and of course, Hispanic Latinx is part of that. So, for Hispanic Latinx, the mission is to create ABB communities that really embrace and celebrate the Hispanic heritage. We have been celebrating with different activities across the different sites in the U.S., and also um, highlighting some of our Hispanic talents in the region. But, you know, Margaret, I think all of these business-driven initiatives are critical and need to be there. To ensure a more diverse and inclusive environment for Hispanics. But still, I think diversity and inclusion is responsibility of each one of us, you know, every day. So we need to ask ourselves, who are we as a colleague? Who are we as a leaders? And we need to set the, the role model and the standard to really drive uh, diversity across everything. So for example, I, an analogy that I really like. And it's very good for Hispanics because we love uh, to party, (laughs) but especially Colombians. But the analogy that I want to bring is that diversity is like being invited to the party, but inclusion is uh, being asked to dance. So really, I want to make sure that in my perimeter, in my team, people is invited to the party, but they are also being invited to dance.
0: Gracias Liliana, thank you. Bueno, vamos a bailar. Let's dance, (laughs) let's dance. Thank you Liliana. Okay, we're going to Park City, Utah next where Eduardo told us his word was onion. Pray tell why onion, Eduardo?
4: Thanks Margaret. So if you think about it, 60 million Hispanics in the U.S. And I think it would be a mistake thinking that we're a monolithic group. So, on the, you know, multiple layers, so think about it, you, you think about, you know, common language, yeah, but we all come from different geographic areas, or food is different, uh, you know, ethnic backgrounds are different. You know, Rich talked about third generation Mexican American in the U.S., I'm, I'm a first generation migrant into the U.S., and so so I think there's multiple layers to the 60 million Hispanics who are in the U.S., and you got to take that into consideration. Uh, Liliana talked about being a good dancer. I was born with two left feet, so you can't assume more Latin Americans are good dancers, right? So, so I think when you look at us, there's some qualities, the but there's there's also so many things that makes us diverse within just the Hispanic community in the U.S. So that's why the word onion.
0: Marvellous. Well, Eduardo, ascension, and I, I should at this point, Give a shout out to your colleague, our friend, uh, Nick Ragon and his team who've done tremendous work building this brand. As I understand it now, it's one of the leading nonprofit and Catholic health systems in the United States. How at the health system are you observing Hispanic Heritage Month? Anything you'd like to highlight? I don't
4: think we have a particular initiative for the month more kind of like an ongoing outreach for the year. So Nick Ragone, our CMO and his team have done a, a great job in terms of, kind of just doing market research on Hispanic communities to understand healthcare access gaps that we have or coverage gaps. So if you think about Ascension, we're 150 hospitals, you know, more or less in the US, 150,000 employees. And our mission focuses on addressing care gaps for the poor and the vulnerable. Uh, So, part of it is understanding the communities, right? So, Nick kind of does research on that ongoing communication on the community for care access, you know, care issues that Hispanic community has to take care of. But during the pandemic, one of the things that we saw was actually Hispanics were lagging just the average population on vaccination. I mean, so, you know, probably six months ago, there was a 10 point gap between white Americans and Hispanics which is a huge gap on vaccination. So part of what Nick's next team was doing was um, how to communicate directly to the Hispanic community to close that gap. Is it an access issue? Is it a concern issue that they have? Language issue? Uh, and then so over the last six months, we've seen that gap kind of close to four points, uh, percentage points, uh, still a ways to go to kind of get it there. But specific messaging to that community on how do, we, how do we get it to get comfortable with vaccination, and then close the gap so that we can kind of raise the level for, for all of the U.S.
0: What worked, do you believe, to create messaging that resonated?
4: I mean, I think understanding the need of the communities, specifically from the, from the cities that we're in, is this a sort of language issue, you know, you got heavy, is it a heavy migrant community or not, or English speakers' concerns and biases that you may have on it. So that's why the consumer research uh, and that kind of thing we're doing just to understand specific needs and then how do you target to address those needs.
0: Fascinating. And I know you've also, as an organization, been very active in the community. I believe I saw some very interesting coverage around the Ascension uh, Classic Golf, the charity golf event. Really interesting this year happening in um, near your headquarters in Missouri.
4: Correct. Yeah, so I um, started that, I don't know, a couple of years ago, trying to kind of set up a golf class again in St. Louis, and actually the proceeds go towards the community that we were in, so I thought the results were great.
0: Talk to us about your understanding of Hispanic community and the social determinants of healthcare, because healthcare is one of these important and and vital services that people need to be aware of, but often my perception is there are social determinants that may preclude access.
4: Correct. So, as I mentioned, Ascension is very focused on the poor and vulnerable communities. Unfortunately, Hispanics are you know part of that, and some of the cities that that we're in. We deploy I think two point four billion of charity care in the U.S. every year. And then so we start with, you know, care needs for a community. What care gaps do they have? Do they have access on it? So that's the first one. The second one: are they insured or not? I can we get them an insurance program? And then the third piece is on the social determinants of health, right? So, beyond access to care, food insecurities, housing, and you go on. So, we we tie social determinants of health on our delivery to make sure we take care of the whole person on it. And in many cases, you know, we deliver as as ascension or we deliver with partners in the community to try to kind of address the needs.
0: Eduardo, any other misconception or myth regarding the community that you would advise marketers to be aware of?
4: I think the key one is this. I mean, I think, you know, we're all classified as Hispanics, but everybody is is different. And you got to kind of do the research in terms of what does that mean for for each of the subsegments that are underneath.
0: And you personally, Eduardo, you said you're a migrant. Is it from Nicaragua?
4: That's right. I was uh, 13, so 1978 when I moved to the U.S.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you and your team for everything you're doing in the community. Okay, from healthcare to alcohol. That was an interesting transition. Hello again, Gabriela. Hello. Uh, So Gabriela, your word resonates a lot with me. Familia, family. Tell us why.
5: Well, I think so many reasons when Cynthia was talking about fusion, I think there were a lot of parallels there. But for me, the reason, I mean, just the most basic reason that I am Hispanic is because of my family. But there is such history and such richness where, you know, having family throughout South America and in Spain, they've kind of made us who we are. They are the ones that bring joy to my life. So for me, it's just family. And I think that there's while everybody's different, what I find with a lot of my Hispanic friends and family is. There's the family you're born with, and then also being able to choose and continue to invite people over. And family is just such a part of everyday life in a way that I think is very different in some other cultures.
0: So Gabriella, you personally have a lot of responsibility for the family at Drizzly in your role. As I understand it, you're the largest online marketplace for alcohol in North America. And of course, the model is such that we order directly from local retailers via the website or the app. Is there anything in particular you're doing that you'd like to emphasize for Hispanic Heritage Month and, and maybe even share with us an insight that underlies that strategy?
5: Speaking specifically from our marketing efforts? Yes, please. So for us, it's a little bit interesting. So we're not really trying to actively market to Hispanic communities. What we're really looking to do is to highlight kind of Hispanic Owned brands and retailers, and we really want to drive disproportionate value to minority, uh, you know, historically minoritized groups. So right now, what we're doing is for the consumers of Drizzly, they can get access to brands that that are coming from you know countries that are Hispanic retailers and get access. But we're really trying to showcase and and highlight a little bit more of you know the recipes of the culture and of the food that's coming because. We're not marketing necessarily to Hispanics. We want the entire world to be more aware of some of these phenomenal brands and to have access to these great cocktails and additional recipes that come from communities that may, they may not be exposed to.
0: And how is it going? We're halfway through Hispanic Heritage Month. How are those uh, programs being received both by the retailers and your consumers, Your basically your Drizzly members?
5: So from the consumer side, it feels like people are really enjoying it, right? We're we're hearing a lot of anecdotal feedback. We know there's a lot of people signing up for the courses, and there's we're getting a lot of those, those clicks. We haven't ended the month, so I can't really share to about the results. And internally, there's a lot of energy around it as well because we we're sharing those same programs internally with our employees. So there's a lot of energy around the recipes and what certain days mean to different people, and and it's just been a, a lovely time of sharing and storytelling.
0: Now, I mentioned at the onset that you are responsible for people operations. Anything particular we should be aware of in terms of Hispanics
5: as a talent market? I think it's really interesting. You know, for any market, right now, there's a big focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion that you're seeing across different different industries. And when you talk about opening up the candidate pool, it's it really is to to open up just beyond whatever your norms are. So Hispanics, of course, make up a large population of that. To what Eduardo said, there are so many different Hispanics, right? And Hispanic isn't just one group, it's a series of different groups. So I would say for people from a talent perspective, really thinking about what's the talent that you're trying to attract? What are the jobs that you're trying to do? And just being really intentional when you're thinking about expanding that candidate pool to make sure that you're attracting the talent that you are looking to to bring in. It's not like that there's one silver bullet that if you just go to this one LinkedIn post or this one group over here, you're gonna find the bulk of the community. It's really more about it just being intentional. And for us internally, because there are so many stories that so many stories and so many different heritages, at Drizzly, we really try to focus on storytelling. We do storytelling through our programs of, you know, his. Humans of Drizzly, we have different internal ERGs where we encourage people to kind of share their stories. And we have employees that put on panels, that put on different events, because we really want it to be a place where people can bring their best selves at work and bring their whole selves. And so we try to to create a space where people can bring those ideas without constraints.
0: Marvelous, well, thank you for that, Gabriela. And now waiting patiently, Tanya in LA. Tanya, if I heard your word correctly, belleza, beauty? Yes, Please. I think that word, it's
6: probably featured on my LinkedIn profile. I really believe in the saying that the beauty of the world is reflected in the diversity of its people. And it's about that deeper meaning that everybody so beautifully spoke about on the panel already, the richness of the culture, the beauty of how different but similar we all are, the beauty of the countries we come from, the music, the food the family values, all of those things that that make Latinos beautiful as a culture sort of to reflect that. so that's why I chose that word.
0: Tanya, I'm curious about your heritage and your relationship to your heritage as you execute your your work every day.
6: Yes. So I am from Mexico City. I was born and raised in the Efe. And I moved here for university. And so it's, Part of my everyday life, I speak Spanish to my family, to my all of my family still in Mexico City. And in terms of how I bring it to work, I mean, it's I make it very clear to all of my colleagues that I am from Mexico City. People don't, because I my maiden name is Valderrama, but I changed it when I got married. So a lot of the times, and it's just what we've all been saying, people assume that you are either not Latino or that you are. Different or that you were born in this country. I'm an immigrant. I, I was I became a US citizen only seven years ago. Now I'm officially Mexican-American, but I've been Mexican my my entire life, very proud to be from Mexico City and very open and authentically myself in the workplace and try to encourage that for a lot of my employees and those around us of different cultures. As, as many have mentioned, there's a lot of conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion in our workplace. And we're having lots of great conversations about how to show up more authentically at work, being yourself, celebrating your heritage, whatever that may be, and and being proud to be who you are in the workplace.
0: Now, Tanya, at Warner Media, you have a portfolio of great brands in entertainment and news and sports, HBO, Warner Brothers, CNN, and many more. Anything you would highlight in terms of how either at the property level or at the corporate level, you're honoring Hispanic Heritage Month? Yeah, we're really
6: celebrating in full. Every brand has a very decentralized organization, meaning we do do corporate level Hispanic Heritage events that are employee oriented. We're having conversations with employees where people are talking about and highlighting their Hispanic heritage and sort of that diversity we've been talking about everything from being Afro-Latina, to being an immigrant, to being third generation. So those are conversations that are being published and sent out as series within the company. But there's a lot of um, discussion, obviously, in our media world around representation and telling stories that are diverse, that are showcasing Latino talent, but also um, that are made by Latinos. So on platforms like HBO Max, which is one of the properties I work on, we um, talk a lot about highlighting every week this month, we've been highlighting different aspects of Latino culture. So last week there was a series of highlights around content properties or content titles that we have that feature Latin music and the celebration of music in our culture. This week there's a series around called Somos Producers about latin made talent and um, Hispanics behind the camera and how they're bringing stories to life. That's one of the things that HBO Max is doing. I also am lucky to work on Cartoon Network and kids' properties at the company. And there's been a lot of conversation about celebrating kids and their attachment to the music, Latino music, and how that's part of the culture. We're featuring many kids and sort of how they celebrate their heritage via music. We also are highlighting some of our Latin-oriented series. There's a series that we have called Victor and Valentino that really celebrates Hispanic heritage. It's a great little series that is very popular among the Latino community. It's a a lot about making sure that we're showcasing Latino talent in front of the camera and Latino talent behind the camera. One of the other really amazing things that I feel really lucky to be a part of is, about a year ago, WarnerMedia started a group called the WarnerMedia Fellows. Which is a group that really highlights the top um, people of color at the company and created sort of a mentorship program to really make sure that we're growing people to the top ranks of the company that are people of color. Because in, you know, in a lot of industries, it's been primarily, you know, sort of controlled by, particularly in Hollywood, by sort of a white majority group. And there's been a concerted effort, particularly at Warner Media, to try to change that so that not only the people in front of the camera are reflective of culture, but the people making business decisions, green lighting content, and sort of making decisions about the stories that we tell are also leading the company and, and sort of represented, which is, I feel that's a wonderful program that's really focusing on getting Latin and people of color talent up in the biggest ranks of the company.
0: So Tanya, you lead research. So you have a lot of data and a lot of insights. I'm sure anything you would share to brands in general as advice when targeting Hispanic Americans, either a proactive thing to do or something to stop doing.
6: Yeah. I think many on this, on the panel have, have mentioned a lot of those stereotypes that we tend to think about, especially if you're not familiar with the Hispanic culture, everything from, you know, Um, Latinos are brand loyal. Latinos prefer to watch, in our industry, Spanish language content. You know, it really is, as the onion analogy is so important, it's really important to do your research and really understand the specifics of a marketplace. The fact that Mexicans are different, potentially, in some of their interests than Puerto Ricans and Cubans. I'll give you an example. The We recently debuted in the Heights, which was a really Wonderful movie by Lin Lin and it was wonderful, and it did wonderful with the Latino community, with certain aspects of the Latino community more than others, because it was a very relatable story to Puerto Ricans and to Cubans and to those that are East Coast based. Not as relatable in some ways to those of Mexican origin, and so how to bridge that that sort of relationship and really get to know the differences so that we can talk to specific populations in a way that is most relevant to them is important. The point about going deep and getting to know the culture and getting to know what drives the culture is really critical.
0: Okay, Bali. Well, thank you, Tanya. So now I'm going to go around and ask each of you a question for what we call our commitments round. And it's as follows. As a leader, as a marketing leader, what is your commitment to inclusive storytelling? And how will you measure success? Because a big theme of what everyone referenced was around storytelling. Cynthia, will you start us off please?
1: Your commitment. Yeah. I mean, it's my commitment and it's the commitment of Walmart. We we have goals of who we hire actually, the directors, the actors. When, when we're doing marketing, we have goals that we want to need to make sure that We are including in the input that diversity. And then of course, in the output, we also have goals on how much we want to spend to make sure that we are reaching the target. So that's our commitment that we're going to hire talent of Hispanic and Latino background, and that we are going to put our money where our mouth is and really spend spend on media that reaches them.
0: Okay, Cynthia, same question, Rich your commitment to inclusive storytelling, and how will you measure success?
2: I think the key is for all of us inside of organizations is how do we fight for a permanent space to make sure we protect everybody in our community and celebrate everyone in our community. So, so for us, it just it's in our DNA with storytelling and content that you can be a player from a non-Hispanic country, it's still in our DNA to celebrate that individual. Our metrics are, are much more anecdotal. We want our community to walk in the stadium and just be talking about it. We want, when we have a new Ecuadorian player, and I have 20 Ecuadorian fans who want to meet him at the airport, Like that to me is a metric for success, that people in LA know that their culture is represented with us. For example, we, we signed our first South Korean player recently, three years into the club, and it was beautiful to see the South Korean community in LA resonate with this player in the signing. So. For us to just make sure and fight on the inside that it's in our DNA every single day as we have our checklists and our uh, our day-to-day.
0: Thank you, Rich. Liliana.
3: So, Margaret, from myself, it's really the, the ABB perspective, and I love the analogy from Eduardo, is to make sure that we continue listening to each country, understanding and capturing the unique challenges and problems that they have. Our solutions are very complex. It's technology, so the only way for ABB to continue riding the future in electrification is to work really alongside with our partners and our customers to to build that future. From my perspective as a leader, my commitment is really to continue walking the talk and making sure that everybody in my perimeter is invited to the party and is being asked to dance and also influencing others to do the same. And I do invite our audience, please feel free to share
0: your commitments in the chat. I'm loving seeing all of these remarks. Gracias, Liliana. Okay, Eduardo, your commitment, please.
4: Yeah, so commitment essentially is to lead with inclusion. And last year we set up this framework called ABIDE, which stands for appreciation, belongingness, inclusivity, diversity, and equity. But to your point on storytelling, you know, we start most of our meetings with somebody telling their life story on it, and kind of just leading with inclusiveness and, you know, and the comment of, like, everybody's different. Every meeting that I hear somebody's life story, I go, wow. I did not know that. You know, so ability to kind of somebody tell their story within work setting and just adding another layer on, on what are their challenges? What have they faced? What the impact is? And then how do we relate that back? To, at least when I walk away, I'm like, okay, I didn't know that. You know, how do I change kind of like behaviors to kind of be able to address that? So, you know, we, we feel that leading with inclusion and having an inclusive culture will lead to more diversity of our workforce but the thought. That will impact patient experience and, and ultimately will impact our brand promise out okay. in the market. Uh, so that's our commitment in terms of how we're changing how we lead with the uh, with inclusion in every meeting that we start.
0: Beautiful, I heard it correctly, abide. Everyone tells their abide story. Beautiful, gracias. Thank you, Eduardo. Okay, Gabriela, your commitment to inclusive storytelling and how you think about measuring success.
5: So from a company perspective, we actually tie part of our executive bonus structure to two key metrics right now, and these are key metrics that we're starting to tie to in 2022. Our internal demographics, we want to meet the national average by 2025, so we have different benchmarks there. And it's not just about hiring, right? Because those people, if, if people don't feel included, if people from any type of group or any type of background don't, don't feel included, they're going to leave. The talent market is so is just so competitive right now. So it also inspires us not just about the hiring, but also how can we make sure, to Liana's point, that people feel that they're invited to dance and that they feel that they have a voice and they feel that they can raise their hand and speak freely and be themselves. And on the other side, we have certain metrics on making sure that we are driving disproportionate value for historically marginalized groups. So when our retailers, when brands, when they're successful, we want to make sure that that well, we want to make sure that they're sharing our success and that we're putting that on the forefront. Myself, personally, when I think of my commitment, it's to continue learning, to continue listening, continue learning. When it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not an on-off, right? It's a process and it's a progress. So for myself, it's continuing to learn and continuing to share those pieces with others.
0: Exactly. Effectivamente. Okay, Tanya, commitments and thoughts around measurement as it pertains to inclusive storytelling
6: for us in, obviously in the entertainment industry, inclusive storytelling is very specifically tied to how do we bring more people in front of the camera that are people of color and behind the camera that are people of color. So there are um, specific goals for our company in terms of reaching that equity. And we're actually publishing one of the first in the entertainment industry reports on how we're doing on those measures in terms of hiring more diverse production talent in addition to in addition to actors and sort of the people that you tend to see in our stories. So it's, it's firm goals in terms of growth over the next few years to, to have more representation in terms of people of color. But there's also really important conversations going on at the company about storytelling of employees and making sure that we have equity for employees. So we've been having wonderful, honest conversations about what it means to be a person of color in our company. And sort of the unconscious biases that that people face. How do we make everyone more educated about the differences, how to relate, how to maybe fight those unconscious biases so that people can be more comfortable bringing their authentic selves to work so that diversity is really critical to our storytelling. It's really critical to our output. It's important that we tell authentic stories about what people are living and experiencing in this country and around the world. And we see it as critical that employees feel comfortable to be themselves to get us there in terms of our content in the end. So in both ways, there's measurement of um, how many people of color are within our ranks as leading behind the scenes and how much of our content is diverse and inclusive.
0: Okay, thank you, Tanya. And before I wrap up with my reflections, más. Did we miss anything or did anything occur to you that you would like to share in terms of celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, marketing to Hispanics? I want to give you a chance in case there was a thought you missed the opportunity to share. Or are we all set? Did we cover your insights?
1: Well, it's not so much about marketing, Margaret, but I think it's about this panel. I think each of us have the responsibility to to actually show up and let ourselves be seen. Maybe some of us weren't as comfortable. I can tell you that even though I may look like an extrovert, I never felt super comfortable putting the the light on myself, but I think we have to, because if you think about the pyramid of like hierarchy, the Hispanic workforce, there's not that many executives Hispanics. If we are in a position where we can show them that they can get to where we are and they can get higher, we have to take that responsibility up on ourselves and let the rest see us so they can feel like they can do it.
0: Thank you, and thank you for role modeling that. And thank you all. I know you're tremendously busy. I know it takes a lot of courage to tell your personal stories. So thank you for joining me and Siegel and Gail for that. So now, in thanking all of you, I'd like to share some reflections. As an immigrant, personally, I'm fascinated by all diaspora the journeys, accomplishments, and relationships we have with our heritage. As a modern brand builder, I'm equally curious about how brands connect and engage authentically with people, be it customers, employees, or the community. And in listening to all of you, a central theme of this conversation inclusive storytelling seems integral to both contexts. As we heard today, in life, stories rarely transpire in a linear fashion. They may appear much like a collage, fragment by fragment. And as I piece together the experiences shared by you, our six speakers, I'd like to place those narratives alongside the wisdom imparted by other Latino luminaries. These notable figures have contributed enormously to our understanding of what it takes to develop inclusion and by implication, inclusive storytelling. So here are my top four macro takeaways juxtaposed with the words of these trailblazers. And to our audience, please do share your takeaways also. Number one, honor the human spirit with hope and dignity. Novelist and Nobel Prize winner, Gabriel Garcia Marquez observes, even when the winds of misfortune blow amazing things can still happen. Two, know that identity is year round, complicated, intersectional and fluid. US poet laureate Juan Felipe Herrera acknowledges, sometimes I have a very fleeting emotional dance with a fleeting phrase like half Mexican. Three, appreciate your culture to unlock empathy for others. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor points out, it is important for all of us to appreciate where we come from and how that history has really shaped us in ways that we may not understand. And finally, four, Build for the long term with humility and courage. Bishop and activist Oscar Romero guides. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. Nothing we do is complete. No statement says all that could be said. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. Once again, thank you to our panel. We look forward to tracking your progress as you live out the commitments shared today. As ever, thank you to my team, my co-producer Alison Shiver and blog editor Daniel Alonso, both proud Hispanic Americans and our fellow team members Aaron Proud, Mick Smith, Ayesha Ewing, and Gisem Karatis. A reminder, you can share this episode and listen to all our previous CMO round tables by subscribing to How CMOs Commit wherever you listen to podcasts. Why not take your phone out now and subscribe? How CMOs Commit. And do please follow Siegel and Gale on LinkedIn for updates on upcoming roundtables. On behalf of everyone at Siegel and Gale, I'm Margaret Molloy thanking you. Nuevamente, muchas gracias a todos. Abrigada. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how
5: CMOs commit.